0: Hey, podcast fans, since you love Why Are You Laughing? That means you enjoy both comedy and history which is why we think you'll love our show.
1: It's called Midnight Facts for
2: Insomniacs and features weekly deep dives into a variety of topics. It also features us, comedians and lifelong
0: friends, Shane Rogers and Duncan McEwen. So whether you're
2: nocturnal, sleep deprived, or just a fan of laughing and learning, we'll keep you entertained with more than 130 episodes covering everything from astrology
0: to pirates to the history of personality tests. Just search for Midnight Facts in any podcast player to join the Midnight Masses. You know, I'm gonna give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. (laughs) Stop laughing! (laughs) And when I do, start fucking. Also,
2: y'all did some nasty-ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable.
1: Why are you laughing? evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Why You Laughing, a history of comedy podcast. And today I am pleased to introduce to you the great Doug Stanhope, Uh, one of my favorites, a true living legend and kind of one of the guys that defines a comics comic. I think when you hear that phrase, um, this generation, you kind of think of, I would say, Doug Stanhope, Dave Attell and Colin Quinn are the three that come to mind. And, um, anyone, anytime I've ever heard anyone use that phrase, uh, with Colin Quinn, uh, he always says a synonym of that just means an unsuccessful comedian. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there is something to that because, uh, all three of those guys might be uh, th- certainly three of the most brilliant of their generation. And yet, for whatever reason, don't get the same, uh, just do that a lot of other guys do. So, We got a lot of clips to get to for uh, old Dougie Stanhope, so plenty to talk about today. But first, as always, I want to remind everyone, uh, go to blindmike.net. And also, because me and Craig were just talking about an episode that'll be up, I think, before this one. um, When we do episodes like Eddie Murphy's Raw, uh, really any special like that, um, or if the guy comes from like SNL or there's a lot of Tonight Show clips or something, anything that's going to be copyrighted. Um, it might result in the videos sucking on YouTube. We apologize. There's nothing we can really do about it. Um, other than post the full videos on Patreon. So if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, I mean, you also get these episodes a week early and you get uh bonus episodes. I think we'll be doing by the way, a, uh, Tom Myers bonus. Why are you laughing? Um, you know, we broke down one of the great specials of all time and Eddie Murphy's raw, Uh, So I figured it was only fair to do the white counterpart of make America innate again by Tom Myers. Uh, So that'll be a bonus episode on the Patreon as well. Um, So plenty of reasons to go check out the Patreon, but um, yeah, if the videos have been bothering you on YouTube, um, Craig's usually pretty good at fighting them tooth and nail, but sometimes it's out of our hands. So Eddie Murphy's um, got
2: us. They got us by the balls on that one.
1: They certainly do, yeah. I don't blame Eddie. I blame, uh, I blame YouTube. But <laughs> I mean, Eddie are cool. I feel like he would let me do it. Um, so check out the Patreon if, uh, if that stuff interests you at all. Also, Blind Mike Net, you can, uh, blindmike.net, you can support the show for free, as well as Blind Mike Project. And who are these socials? Links for all the podcasts that I do are up at blindmike.net. So uh, support the show for free or support us on Patreon, however you feel fit. We appreciate it. And even though uh, the YouTube overlords have uh, constantly screwed us, subscribe to the YouTube if you wouldn't mind. Get those numbers up, baby. All right, enough of that. Now that we've, uh, you know, now that we've sold everything, we'll get to a guy that would hate everything about what I just did. <laughs> and that would be The, the great yeah. Doug Stanhope, yeah. who, I mean, if you're talking influence right out of the gate, just me saying that, Uh, made me think of Bill Hicks talking about the Jay Leno commercials. Yep. And the guy you always hear, uh, like a young Bill Hicks, Doug Stanhope gets that label. But also, um, I think more of Sam Kinison than Bill Hicks. He's, uh, you know, I suppose a little softer spoken, doesn't necessarily scream the way Kinison does. But if you're thinking kind of demeanor and the topics that he gets into, I think a lot of Kinison. But yeah, definitely a, a kinison hicks uh, hybrid sort of and if you're talking more current comedians i think a clear child of doug stanhope would be kyle canane definitely um yeah i think canane's not Kinane's also a very underrated guy much like stanhope but i think his general uh style reminds me a lot of stanhope but
2: the voice and his uh, cadence is almost similar
1: yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so the first thing I didn't know at all about Doug Stan, I hope you talk about how many uh, funny guys come from the Boston area. I didn't realize he grew up in Worcester. I didn't know he was a uh, Massachusetts guy. Really? Yeah. I had no uh, clue. Yeah, no, me neither. He bounced around a little bit. Like He'd go back and forth from he was in Iowa and Florida for a little while, I think. But um, I believe most of his formative years were spent here in Massachusetts. Um, so I didn't realize that. Um, but something that makes a lot more sense is that uh, he would get in trouble as a kid for uh, like drawing demonic images and shit like that. And, uh, I think he checked out of school by about age 15. So all that adds up. I didn't realize he was from Massachusetts, but everything else about his childhood uh, seemed to make sense to me.
2: <laughs> just him writing pentagrams on his paper and passing it in.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like Jonah Hill in Superbad, basically. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he uh, he, you know, started comedy in 20s. That's uh, when he officially left Massachusetts is when he went out to Vegas to start comedy. Um, is our first clip his television debut? Yes. This was weird to look up. And the other guy I had this experience with was Louis C.K. Where when you listen to their early work, I remember uh, I was listening to Pandora when Pandora was a little more popular. Um, and I would go to... Like, I would just type in, you know, Louis C.K. or Bill Burr or something like that. And, you know, 10 years ago, that's how I discovered a lot of guys like Mulaney, Hannibal Burris, Tom Segura. Um, but uh, one thing I do remember about that is I would go to the Louis C.K. channel and I would hear this clip from like 1990. I'm like, Who the fuck is this? And I'm like, it sounds a little like Louis. And sure enough, it was like it doesn't sound like the same guy. He's got a little bit of a voice in there. Mm-hmm. But he's doing almost like 80s Type of material It's very weird to listen to And I think you're going to hear a little bit of that In uh, this clip from Doug, S- Doug Stanhope's television de- debut Which I believe was
0: 1992 This is great man Isn't this great? Jeez, my t- television debut right now I should be nervous but uh, Got done working a couple of weeks up there in Montana And, and you think normal Stage fright's one thing but uh, you know, playing for bikers and rednecks and, and You stand up there. I mean, normal stage fright's one thing, but when you going to stand up in front of those guys and me looking like some kind of cellmate dream date calendar boy. <laughs> And a death, too. I was up there in February. Butte, Montana. It was 15 degrees below zero inside the hotel. <laughs> I got out of the shower, stepped down, my foot froze to the tile. Had to pee on myself
1: to get free. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sounds like Dennis Miller.
1: <laughs> wow, a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, I'd love to know. I'd love to ask him has has booze and cigarettes done that to his voice or is that like a nervous thing that he's doing there? You know what I mean? Well, it sounds like His more, voice sounds so different.
2: One, he w- looked like he was 12 and two Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, okay, yeah. He had uh, <laughs> He had the uh like a more of a northeast accent. I don't know if it's cuz you just said he was from Worcester, but that's what it sounded like. <laughs> yeah, to me.
1: right. Uh, yeah, very weird. And also, I noticed I felt a little bit in there. Yeah, you pointed out Dennis Miller. That's a good reference, I thought. But um, when I first heard it, because I've always thought with Stanhope, I'm like, clearly he's a Rodney fan mm-hmm. because of the way he dresses. I'm like, on some level, that has to be an homage to Rodney. Yeah. yeah. But then when I heard that clip, I was like, okay, definitely. There's a little Rodney in there for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs>
2: But there's also right. like uh, some of that, like having to pee on himself. I could see him saying that now.
1: Yeah, that, it's the weird thing where it's like his, vo- his, his voice, and by that I mean his like comedic voice, not even the tone of voice. It's totally different there, but you can see little glimpses of what he became. Right. Um. So what's next? Uh, Joey Diaz. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad this is next because it goes to what we were talking about where uh, Joey Diaz talks about meeting Doug Stanhope and it seems to me like maybe he met the guy in the clip we just played uh, at first.
0: And then this, the first two times I saw Stanhope, he was just a mm-hmm. mid-local, uh, racy-type comic. I thought he was funny, mm-hmm. but they were funnier guys. That time I saw him in June of 96, it threw me fucking off. Threw me off that I couldn't even... I didn't go back on stage for two or three fucking days. Like, it made me think about do I want to keep doing comedy? Fuck yeah. Or do I want to get a day job? Because I don't know if I can be that good. That being that good is something completely fucking different.
1: So, around that time, I guess he lost to Dane Cook in a comedy competition, which is wild to think about, but also explains the trajectory of both of their careers from there pretty well. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah it makes a lot of sense but um, but yeah like it's interesting when you hear these guys and I said the same thing about Louis where when you listen to their early stuff it's amazing Uh, I guess basically what I'm saying is the first time you hear a comedian particularly if they're in their 20s or something don't write them off because in 20 years they might end up being a legend you know (laughs) It's a
2: great point because uh, that happens. I mean, there was some people uh, I would see do open mics and you're like, why the fuck are they even here? And then they're all of a sudden voicing people in like commercials and shit. And you're like, all right.
1: Opie and Anthony would play um, like Jim Norton would bring in his old tapes. Mm -hmm. And he'd come out. uh, How's everybody doing? (laughs) (laughs) He had this weird high pitched voice. It's interesting when you're listening to these guys that that should be a show in itself. The problem is, guys from that era, not everyone I assume has tapes of like their very early work. But that would be great if you could listen to like legends, to like Chris Rock's first time on set, what he sounded like. You know, oh, for sure. I would love the, that. these unique voices, what they were when they started out. Because, as we've talked about many times most of them are impersonating someone else. Maybe at that time, especially, maybe Stanhope is doing a bit of a Dennis Miller impression in 1992 or Rodney or whatever. And, you know, we talk about like Mitch Hedberg is a great kids that Where guys thought like, well, if I just have that cadence, then I'll be funny, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and sometimes it's involuntary. You don't really, like I'm sure Stanhope wouldn't say, um, I was going my, out of my way to sound like Dennis Miller. But if he was a fan of his, it can be just involuntary.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, next is a, a very popular thing that jealous people do, and that's hating comics.
1: Yeah, well, th- th- this I liked because it brings up another point that uh, Doug made in one of his specials that I find very interesting.
0: You started at comedy in L.A.? No, I started in Vegas. Sam Tripoli, I saw him last night or the yeah. night before, and... Uh, I said, we're the only two comedians that I know of that came out of Vegas. Vegas. He yeah. said no Joe Coy did I said oh, yeah. like I said we're the only <laughs> 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 I don't, don't know work. anything about Joe Coy I just I don't assume either, I hate yeah. him <laughs> you, you get to an age you go yeah. I, I, I'm sure I'd probably hate that yeah guy. so, so I, I feel the same way I've never seen him do comedy I've met him twice incredibly nice guy Very makes nice. me suspicious probably. immediately <laughs> well in the early days like the first you know how you learn to hate people when you start out because sure. older comics hate them so Carrot Top was in my you know generation (laughs) that was the the guy to hate yeah and it was when bill hicks died and he won like the american comedy awards over bill hicks posthumously and, and furious and everyone was furious yeah uh and then you meet him, and you go, "He's the nicest oh, he's fucking nice guy <laughs> Fucking carrot top. Yeah, and then you, you get to it, you are like, "Why don't I hate anyone's comedy?" <laughs> yeah, I don't. I hate the people that laugh at it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I thought it was it's such a funny point, and yeah. I think it's a code that Doug ended up living by, because um, in one of his specials, he talks about uh, he mentions Dane Cook, and um You know, I think Doug was kind of one of the guys that was really trashing Dane at the height of his popularity. Um, And then that became very popular for Doug's fans to try and relate to him by trashing Dane Cook. So Doug's basic premise was like, I hope you guys understand that, like, if Dane Cook were here in this room with all these people that, that love me and are here to see me. If Dane Cook were here, he'd be the only one I want to talk to because I'm—he's the only one I can relate to in any way. We're both comedians, at least we have that. You people, I have nothing in common with. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's one thing he's great at—is where he can—he can really like viscerally hate something, and then I'll also have the perspective to be like, well, but why do I? You know, right. I think that's the type of perspective that Doug has, where he can be very funny and very brash. And um, uh, you know, uh, polarizing, but also have the perspective on his own point to be like, well, why do I even really feel this way? You know,
2: (laughs) his Joe Coy line was hilarious.
1: (laughs) I just imagine I'd hate him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, two comics out of Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, But next, uh, we have him talking about his Mitzi audition.
1: Um. Yeah. So. This is also interesting because I've heard Doug himself tell two different versions of this, which might just be um, the the result of uh, drinking the amount that he does. Uh, But this is one version of his uh, Mitzi audition.
0: I was an improv guy where, I mean, the bar there was the fucking great bar to hang out in. That's why I was never a big comedy store guy. Oh, yeah, because
3: they had the front bar. Yeah, front bar. You you didn't have to
0: listen to comedy, which was the best part of it. Right. (laughs) So I'd done a set and then sitting at the bar in this angry but hot waitress. um, (laughs) Usually coincides. She came out just loudly complaining about how hackneyed the fucking comics are. And they all talk about, why does... And I'm watching fucking flight 800 footage (laughs) on the news, and uh, and I, I I just had some retort. She goes, "Yeah, well, make that funny." And I went home with a mission, yeah. And right. I wrote this fucking bit about like the medical examiner. they were getting so much shit. Like the medical examiner, and it's been three days. Press conferences, and they <laughs> still can't identify my son's body. I'm like, this guy's in fucking wherever Long Island, some shit town, Long Island, and like he's as busy as the Maytag repairman. And now he's got <laughs> fucking garbage barges of body parts. He's trying to put together with like Mister. <laughs> Potato heads or something like that. Solid. <laughs> like, does this look like your boy's spleen to you? You want to help me out here?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was playing it? Uh, Anyone recognize
0: it? That's so, solid. Yeah, that's was, a solid. It was bit. to the point. Uh, like, so you you, you can make it funny to showcase for Mitzi. Yeah, oh, that's fucking great. Was it brand new? Yeah, it was. It was wow. We don't have a recent Disasters
1: comic yet. <laughs> He's regular now. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a few things uh, that I found interesting about that clip. One was that he. I've also heard him uh, tell the story that Mitzi didn't pass him at the comedy store. Um, that it wasn't until someone else was in charge. I think maybe Adam Egan. I'm not sure um, where he got passed. But The kind of interaction that he describes there is that, um, and maybe this is part of the reason I thought of Sam Kinison, maybe I'd heard this somewhere before, but um, when uh, the first time I guess he auditioned for her, she just said, uh, he's too much like Sam, and just, that was it. (laughs) And so it's like, we talked about this in the Mitzi Shore episode, but it's hilarious how she would just decide. I think he also taught, I think it was on this comedy store podcast that he was telling the story of um, um, she, who, who am I thinking of? Damn, I'm trying to think. It was someone that's uh, somewhat ethnically ambiguous. And basically uh, she's like, we have too many white guys right now. And uh, oh, it was Bob Kelly. And he goes, well, the joke I told is that a lot of people think I'm Puerto Rican. And she's like, well, we have too many Puerto Ricans. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so uh, Mitzi was always very funny and uh, where where her line was, what her standards were. But um, the other thing that that clip made me think of is, um, I guess after 9-11, he was attacked on stage. <laughs> like, so he really lived again by that code where He's like, okay, something wildly horrible and tragic happened. Where's the where's the funny in here? How do I how do I mine for that? What what's the angle that I take? And uh, you know, like, I think uh, another student of Doug's would probably be a guy like Anthony Jeselnik, where it's li- that's literally Anthony's whole thing is like the, whatever the worst thing in the news is, how do I make that funny? And I think Stanhope definitely has a lot of that as you can hear in that clip.
2: For sure. he All of his specials are so dark.
1: Yeah, he also he has an interesting philosophy that you can definitely tell once he once I heard him say this, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Where he describes it as He's like, you know, I have my jokes in the beginning. You, you talk about this or that. But then there's the one chunk that the special is really about. And that's very true of him. I mean, we'll mm-hmm. get to probably my favorite one uh, at the end of the of the podcast. But that is true if you watch his specials where it's like, it yeah, will go in and out of different things. But then at the end, you're like, oh, okay, this is why you're here to tell us this story. Now I get it. <laughs> this is
2: what you put your whole year behind.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Um, next we have him talking about Girls Gone Wild I think on Marin
1: Yeah so uh, he talks about A couple of his, his great opportunities So um, Yeah one of them He, he was involved In uh, Girls Gone Wild He was involved in the man show um, He had a prank show in the early 2000s That we'll talk about So he had all these like, weird little opportunities um, That we'll hear him discuss
0: this whole idea of, of how do you live with yourself with certain things is something I think about. And it's one of the reasons why I'm in my garage. I mean, you must think about that. You must have made a choice at some point where you're like, what the fuck can I do that I can live with myself? But that's the problem is yeah. that I know that I'm that guy and that I have that kind of hate within me. Yeah. So anyone who would like know me from the man show or Girls Gone Wild infomercials, I would be I would want to kill me. I, if I, if I, <laughs> then why'd you do it? Because it was seemed funny at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I did some, Girls Gone Wild was just such a goof thing, yeah. and we filmed like nine nights, and I just thought it would be a goofy thing to do because it was pop culture. Right, I did right. Jerry Springer once right. where I was uh, pretending to be a guy that was upset my girlfriend. <laughs> Because it was funny. Right. I didn't know that they were going to repeat that commercial every 15 minutes for a year and a half on every basic cable channel where everyone came home drunk and just saw me go. show me where babies feed. Like, they took one piece of <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. one drunken thing I said sometime at a bar yeah. goofing on stupid drunken sorority right. whores, One joke, yeah. And then made it into my inadvertent catchphrase, show me where babies feed. So how long did it take you to erase that? I think it's pretty much gone. Good. <laughs>
1: He also he talked about the host host, whatever you call him, the main girls gone wild guy and said he was the biggest piece of shit he's ever met. <laughs> like, I mean, the way you I think there's plenty of stories out there about the way he treated the women. Yeah. Um, But just in general, I guess he was just like a pompous douchebag <laughs> like, that was awful to deal with. And uh, he has some pretty funny stories from that time. The, the girls gone the girls gone wild era. But it is you hear him there where he's just like. Yeah, because I thought it was funny. I don't know. That's why I did it. That's the interesting thing um, about what the internet has done to comedy, where it's like at the time, sure, there was absolutely an argument where like "Girls Gone Wild" is demeaning to women. That argument was certainly out there, but for the most part, no one was like, "Oh, Doug Stanhope is essentially a rapist for <laughs> for, for contributing to that sort of culture." Whereas now, things have changed. Uh, you know, in many ways for the better and some for the worse, things have just changed as, as how we look at the world. Um, so it's weird to have to go back and look at that and be like, how do you explain this? And I think Doug has the perfect perspective on it. Cause he's like, no, nah, I don't know. I thought it was funny at the time, I guess.
2: <laughs> he, he wants to be like, it's still kind of funny. <laughs> um, um, do you want to go no. to his other TV show or the man show?
1: Um, let's play the other TV show real quick. just uh spy TV. Yeah. There's a little clip of that, and we'll talk about that before we get into the man show, which I find a little more interesting. Doug
3: was on his way out of town for a huge meeting when his Nana dropped
0: dead. When I came back, she was stinking, bugs all over, starting to get a little maggoty. Can he convince this group of shuttle drivers to handle a little extra baggage on their way to the airport? Got to drop her at the mortuary. So she's dead right now, man? Yeah, so I don't know. Come on, man. It's a little
3: piece we call. <laughs> Nana needs a ride. <laughs>
1: first of all I just love like 90s commercials
2: like teasers for television shows or movies it was funny though because he had like a moving blanket with like a wig sticking out of the top (laughs) it was very funny
1: yeah so it's weird because Doug kept getting these opportunities where it's like so he was on that spy TV he said they stole basically all of his ideas and just got ratings from them like they gave him no credit or anything and just used his ideas um He also, he had his own pilot, I believe, for Fox. It may have gone a couple episodes. I'm not 100% on that, um, but very short-lived. And it's weird because, like, Doug keeps getting these opportunities. It's like, I, I get why he's being hired for these things on the surface. It's like, I kind of get, if you listen to Doug's comedy or, you know, you have a feel for his persona at all, I get why on the surface you might think like, oh, he should be part of Girls Gone Wild or a prank show or the man show or something. It's like, But it means you're not fully paying attention to who he is. Mm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, I can see how you got there, but it doesn't fit really. Um, But Doug basically was saying that he, he took a lot of these opportunities essentially just to get to a point, like to survive up until a point where comedy could just sustain him. Like, I don't think he had any aspirations of being an actor or, uh, you know, creating a sitcom or anything like that. I think to him, these were all kind of like paychecks that he was taking. Um, The man show, however, I think is a little different in the sense that, um, you know, we did a whole episode about it, but when Kimmel and Carolla left the man show, they bring in Rogan and Stanhope. And that's perfect example. What I'm talking about where it's like, yeah, I guess if you know Rogan on the surface, if you know who he is, he's a bro who uh, also considers himself a bit of an intellectual. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he likes fighting and smoking weed and all of that. Stan Hope's a drunk. It's like, I get why you think that would work, but these aren't the right guys for it unless you let them completely change what Kimmel and Corolla were doing. Like, it would have to be something totally different because they're totally different guys than those two. Um, so this is him talking a little bit about the uh, the process of the Man Show, uh, yeah. but
0: but I guess my the the question is because I think that like we were on similar trajectories at one time, and then what when you came out here, I don't know when the first time was, but when did you realize that show business was fucked? The Man Show, the, I, I I have no regrets about that because of knowing now how the process works and how you're we were uh, completely we had no ability to make that show better, and we really had great ideas they, and what, what was stopping fit into you the man show thi- well that's not really man show it has to be so we'd have good ideas that had some social relevance right uh, some kind of and who are you answering to everybody that's the thing it's uh you know we'd pitch it around the writer's room and then tom giannis the head writer would pitch it to the executive producer and he'd send it up to uh, the production company and they'd send it to comedy central and they'd run it past their lawyers and the censors and then you know so you have an idea and it's three days uh, uh
1: yeah and so he goes on to tell it's a long story so i didn't include all of it um but basically he and rogan had an idea um essentially for uh, the sex rights of homeless men. (laughs) Like they they wanted to be champions of sex rights for homeless men. So basically they were going to do a bit um, where they round up homeless men and give them a place where like they have to have, they're able to have sex free of having to do it outdoors in a public space, invading anyone else's space. seems like kind of a funny bit that they could have pulled up. Um, They wanted to include real homeless men. And they get into you know a big debate about it with corporate, where uh, corporate talks the you know the the lawyers and everything are saying like, well, what if um, you know uh, a lot of these people are drunks? What if they we're responsible for um, enabling their alcoholism or something like that? These weird arguments, and then Stanhope says, and he goes, "I swear to God, this was an actual argument." Um, well, what if them one of them has AIDS and has an open cut and gives it to one of the crew members? And Doug was just like, well, then what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I get, you know what? I guess I don't know what we would do in that situation. <laughs> what if one of them stabs somebody who, uh, and, while so, filming? Yeah, I guess, yeah. If we live our lives in fear, I suppose we can't do anything. <laughs> but but yeah, he also has, we played in the Man and Show episode that we had uh, Vinnie Paulino on for. Um, we played his great stand-up bit talking about the man show where he's like, I know it sucked. <laughs> and, it's, and he finds it hilarious, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, so basically back back to what I was saying. he uh, He and Rogan could have made a good show together. Definitely. And it could have been along the lines of being men, you know, men being men. It just couldn't be, you know, what... Kimmel and Corolla were doing. And it's hilarious to me to think in 2023 now to think that, you know, only 20 years ago there were executives saying, but does this really live up to the man show standard? <laughs> you know, like is this man show quality? That's a hilarious premise to me. But <laughs> Uh, yeah he did these are the types of opportunities that Doug had to like kind of get his name out there I remember I knew the name Doug Stanhope and it's funny because because of his association with that show in my mind I was like oh these are probably two hacks I'll never hear from again as a kid (laughs) there's no way I know the name Joe Rogan or Doug Stanhope in 20 years (laughs) Doug's
2: done everything in his power to make that happen but yeah right not Rogan (laughs) Uh, next we have him on ONA talking about his clothing
1: Oh yeah so this is a little bit of a, Like I said I think there's some Rodney influence Here um, but this is His explanation of why he started uh, Dressing like a the Traveling salesman from 1973 You're a zany dresser Man I'm, uh, you yeah, gotta look gone, Doug Stanhope's gotta look tilt on- old leisure suit shit. Yeah, yeah, that's like old leisure
0: suit. I'm old yeah. enough now that people don't know if you're kidding. Like right. If I was 25, yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. I used to have a suitcase. I don't know if you remember this, Norton, but I came to New York City one of the first times I came here, and I had an old suitcase like that. But flowered? Yellow flowered yes. suitcase. And I go, I'm going to New York City. I'm going to, like, a handle bag. Oh, my right. like God. Like a Pan Am flight attendant <laughs> right. would have. Walking around and New I was, York I, City. And I was skipping. I remember, I was going to take this. Said, I'm going to skip oh, no. New York City. And I did. <laughs> just looking but like a mark. You look, oh, oh, he's trying. You were nearly old. I can wear a fucking 70s suit like this. And people go, I don't think he's fucking around. It doesn't depend on you,
1: It's such a fine line because there are guys that could do that. And whether or not they mean it, you would just be like, oh, you're ripping off, Rod- you're trying to be Rodney. Yeah, with Stanhope, it's like you just believe he would dress like that. You know what I mean? It just feels right. There's such a, there's, when it comes to like authenticity, there's such a fine line where even sometimes if you're being authentic, it won't be acceptable to the audience. But like Doug is an example of a guy where everything he does, you truly believe it's, it's how he is. Like he's been very good at building, you know, whether it's, um, uh, you know, meticulous or not, whether how purposeful it is, I don't know, but he's been very good at building his brand into, exactly what it is of being a guy who doesn't really give a fuck
2: he's the best it's it's weird seeing him not in these suits now
1: yeah it's it's hard to imagine honestly like i'm it it feels right (laughs) he (laughs) belongs in those and it's weird that he didn't wear them earlier like it's weird that on the man show that's another thing they said uh or that doug said is that he would listen to things and this is where it comes to like where it helps to a have confidence, but also just experience for a number of years because he would get notes like, hey, you're slouching and you look like you don't want to be here on the man show. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, that's my thing. But he's like, oh no, no, they're telling me not to do that, so maybe I shouldn't. Whereas now he'd be like, yeah, well, then fi- you know, find someone else. I don't know. That's what I do. It's because I'm slouching and I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm hungover and I'm you know I don't want to be here.
2: Um, next we have him on um, Stern talking
1: about Bisbee. Uh, this well, this is like one of the most interesting. Parts of his of his character that again, fits very well. it's, all, it's a, a perfect puzzle, the Doug Stanhope um, you know conglomeration of parts, because it does make a lot of sense that he would move to Bisbee, Arizona, and he's been such an advocate of Bisbee that um, for, I, I remember thinking there was a time where obviously I knew he moved there, and then I kind of forgot that that's why I knew it. Mm-hmm. And then at one time I thought like Bisbee was like the, hub. it was Phoenix and then Bisbee were a- <laughs> the hubs of Arizona. <laughs> yeah.
2: My buddy of mine um, who I did stand up with here, moved out to Phoenix and actually linked up and went to uh, his compound in Bisbee. Mm-hmm. And he, he gets there and basically he's got his house. And then I think there's a two or three like little houses there. Yeah. Yeah. And one of them is like the, a bar. And he goes in and dugs in there and he made him go to stand up in front of him in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like 10 people.
1: It's got, it's, it sounds like the trailer park version of the playboy mansion or something. Exactly. Where you're like, wow, that sounds like a magical time. And it's just some fucking drunk and his mentally ill girlfriend or wife or whatever she is. Bingo.
2: Yeah. He said he made him laugh. He made him laugh once. So he felt fine. But the rest of it was dog shit. And then, uh, later on he asked, uh, to use the restroom (laughs) Stanhope brought him out to a fence And just pissed right next to
1: him <laughs> It's going to be such a weird time Well when I when I uh, interviewed Shane Gillis He was uh, coming off of Ambien Right And he was at Doug Stanhope's house <laughs> Right, that's right And it sounded like just a house for wayward boys But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll Let's hear him explain it before we get more into it I was hearing you I was shocked that you guys own a rental apartment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's not a rental. It's a, it was. A, you guys have a rental property. I got a. It's a house that abuts the back of our house right. that I bought. On you rented dr- it out to friends. I drunk bought a house. Right, but <laughs> the fact that you had enough money to do that is what I'm impressed with. Well, it's fifty nine thousand dollars. You can buy a house in Bisbee. Wow, isn't the whole it great? house
1: was. Yeah, it was I could, I could go out
0: there and maybe like buy up all of Bisbee. And yeah, if, yeah. it could be a real estate yeah. thing. I shouldn't yeah, have been Bisbee. Were right, you right beside my house? So I just we have a cut secret a door. door in the fence. Has anyone followed you guys? To visit me any other yes. really? Yes. Really? I, I didn't even tell Will this. But yeah, well, I, we have a, 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 stalker a stalker fan that moved in across the
1: street, you <laughs> like directly that? across the street. Yeah, see, Craig's buddy isn't the only creep that went out there, but
2: <laughs> he was invited.
1: <laughs> but no, but that's the thing is, there's a lot of people I'm sure that have gone out there specifically. He's given out his address on multiple podcasts. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, he you was. Can he... Just go. It's like Disney World for drunks and drug addicts. Yeah, there was.
2: He was approached at a a comedy club in Phoenix to come out to Doug's house. He didn't buy the house across the street.
1: <laughs> I <made up> tomato tomato. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm honestly surprised. And maybe it's cuz Doug it does have like a cult following, but sometimes that's more dangerous, you know. Oh yeah. Um so I am surprised that there hasn't been like an incident. Although what I'm about to say is in that stern interview, they were talking about uh, I guess they they let friends of theirs like rent the house or I don't think, I don't know if money was exchanged at all, but like Doug and bingo left for the week and they gave the house to, um, this couple they were friends with. And I believe the husband, it may have been the wife, but I'm pretty sure it was the husband killed himself in their house and Bingo had to come home and like clean up the fucking remains. <laughs> oh my god! It's 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 bedlam out there. It's Ugh. wild out in Bisbee. <laughs> that
2: is the most Stanhope thing to have happened too.
1: It's the most Stanhope thing to have happened and be like, eh, it's not as bad as it sounds. That's literally <laughs> what he told Howard. He's I just like, got no, no, no. You're making it sound worse than it is.
2: I just got a new carpet. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's him on uh, O and A talking more about Bisbee though.
1: A little more Bisbee. Yeah, two thousand five, I believe, is when he moved out there too, which I didn't realize how early it was. Um, where, like, you know, he'd been on the Man Show, but he hadn't really made a name for himself in two thousand five. I should. Yeah, he he'd made some kind of name for himself. Obviously, he built up a, a following, but like, I don't know. It's it wasn't the the internet wasn't where it is now, so. It takes a lot of balls to be like, I'm just going to leave. You know, now you have like Napergetsy lives in uh, Nashville. You have Rogan and all these guys in Austin. Uh, you know, you kind of have people around the country that are able to pull off a comedy career, not being in New York or Los Angeles. 2005, that wasn't really the case. Stan Hope was a pioneer for a lot of these guys. Mm. I Pick Bisbee? Would you throw a here. fucking dart at a map? What do you, how'd you get Bisbee, Arizona? Who recommended
0: you know what? Bisbee? We, I, I found it accidentally just driving back roads, but it's it's this weird little town, and there's nothing Sounds like. it. Sounds weird. It's, it's 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 like this hippie enclave. Uh, it, it was a mining town where the mine went bust in the <laughs> 70s, and all the property value just went dirt cheap, so all That's these artisan freaks just took over the town. And it's the most beautiful town all built in the mountains. It's not on the way to anything, so no one finds it. It's not like Sedona or something. It sounds shit. like the type Every of... I- fucking Beverly Hills jack-off, you know, jumps in and makes it overpriced.
1: It's... <laughs> it's- it's it is a, and it feels like after I think the pandemic and everything I feel like people have a lot more of that mindset where it's like just bring me to you know North Carolina or Montana or something like that. But back then, no one was thinking like that. Like that's a, a ballsy move for Stanhope to make. Now the argument could be that uh, he didn't even really give a fuck about his career. He just bought a house for fifty nine thousand dollars. He could drink himself to death for if he wanted to in Bisbee, Arizona. But. It is still, I think, ballsy for a guy to to make that move. And then it honestly became even, you know, more impressive once, like, podcasting became such a thing. Um, Stan Hope started his podcast, I think, in 2013, 10 years ago. Um, but, you know, like, not long after that is when, particularly in Los Angeles a lot of these guys got bigger just from being on each other's podcast. Rogan obviously being the most popular example. But you look at all these, you know, uh, Andrew Santino and Bobby Lee and Segura and Kreischer and all these guys um, that got massive followings, honestly more for their podcasts than for their stand-up. So when that became such a promotional tool, uh, for Stanhope to still be in Arizona is uh, a pretty gutsy move. I do also think it hinders his career in a way. Because, like with, you know, I mentioned Colin Quinn and David Tell, at least they're around and they'll pop into, you know, Jim and Sam or they'll do like We Might Be Drunk or one of those uh, New York podcasts, Legion of Skanks, they'll pop into whatever. Stanhope is not around at all. So you almost forget about him at times, which is I mean, it's it's criminal if you're a comedy fan, but I'm guilty of it, too, where I'm like, oh, yeah, fucking Stanhope. I forgot about him.
2: (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Where's he been? Oh, yeah, Bisbee! Wow, Bisbee, Arizona. Must be overpopulated now, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, so many. Yeah, so many people moved out to Bisbee to follow Stanhope.
2: <laughs> but yeah, he would. Um, there's been a couple times he would throw like a Super Bowl party and put his address out there and be like, "Whoever feels like coming."
1: Yeah, it became like the spot. He would talk about like watching football and like just. These these Bisby the the dregs of Bisbee would would drag themselves. I, I'm saying this. I'm sure, guys. I would much rather hang out with than uh, than anyone else. Any classier
2: uh, person. Well, he would have he would have people over for the the game, right? So all these yeah. randos would show up, and Sal Volcano would be at his house, and he'd be like, "What are you doing?"
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the weird thing is you would mix with these legitimately like famous people, yeah. <laughs> which we'll get into. Um, but also, sad note to that, uh, recently is they had a fire at his house in Bisbee. Yes. And Stanhope, uh, this is pretty recently. Um, and uh, I know when he, the last time he was on Rogan was about a year ago. And he said he hadn't like left his house in, a, oh, not left his house, but like left Bisbee in over a year at yeah, that yeah. time. Yep. Um, and Stanhope's a guy like thank God he didn't. But it, would it shock you if you found out like oh yeah Doug's house caught on fire and he died? It's like oh that seems about right.
2: Yeah, he thought he could put the fire out by jumping on it, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Um, next we have him on Louie, This
1: scene. So th- this is and he th- the reason um, I wanted to include this is because he also had an independent film come out recently. I for the life of me don't know how to access it. And uh, I think even on their, like on the movie's um, Twitter page, I think the bio is basically like, you can't watch it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, all, it's very Stanhope. But I own, the only reason I know about it is I saw him um, at some independent film award uh, winning Best Actor. <laughs> and it turns out, it sounds like a very similar role um, to this role that he had on Louie, where he plays, um, you know, it, it was a bit of a stretch. He's playing a guy that came up in comedy around the same time as Louis and uh, wants to kill himself. So I don't know. I don't know how he tapped into that sort of <laughs> that sort of voice, but he was able to do it quite well.
2: Yeah, Doug, where did you go to get to this point? In- <laughs> <laughs> That's,
1: I, saw, um, I saw the premiere of 4th of July, Joe List and Louis C.K.'s movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Ron Bennington uh, interviewed the cast. And uh, he asked Nick DiPaolo about his character because Nick was very good in the movie. And uh, he, he said that he plays uh, Joe's uh, angry, racist, drunk uncle. <laughs> you know, so I've only been studying the role for about 60 years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. Go ahead and look, man. I'm cashing in, I'm done. I'm forty shit years old. I got nothing. I got nobody. and I don't want anything. I don't want anybody. And that's the worst part. When you when the want goes, that's that's bad. I mean, like suffering is one thing, or not having is one thing. But when you just don't care anymore. I've gone soft in the last three pussies i've been in <laughs> you get to a point where you know maybe it's time to just put a period at the end of my whatever this was so you're going to quit comedy
1: <laughs> how
0: intense <laughs> are you comedy who gives a shit about comedy man
1: well, what are you talking about
0: my life i'm going to end it
1: It's such a great line too for Louis to throw in there, where, because it kind of shows how uh, self-involved a lot of comedians can be. Where this guy's pouring his heart out to you, and you're like, "So you're gonna quit comedy? And like, <laughs> how did you get that from this?" <laughs> but it's such it's such a great episode of Louis, and it's one of those. And Louie had this with a few guys where, like, um, he would call, he would put a lot of comics in his stuff because he would say, he, you know, he would kind of write the part and just be like, oh, Stanhope's perfect for this. Um, he did it for uh, Jim Florentine, I know is one. Uh, Todd Berry has a great episode um, where he's like, oh, these guys, like, I would kind of want to showcase these guys. And that episode always made me feel like, all right, I, I know that Stanhope's brand is not giving a fuck and not wanting to do anything, but I, I do kind of wish he acted more, because he's a great actor. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I always liked the one um when he, when he uh had Dane Cook on they kind of had it out. Like they're, uh, they're- um, Oh,
1: Oh, we yeah, I think we played that um in the Dane Cook episode. Yeah, that was that really was a great true. scene because it was very real. Right. Like you could tell I mean, I think both guys said this like they didn't actually have the conversation, <laughs> but that's what the conversation would have been had they had
2: it. Yeah, I saw Dane Cook said somewhere that uh they they didn't have the conversation, and what they saw. Louis wrote both sets of lines, <laughs> so it was crazy.
1: It's it's that's the brilliant perspective of not to go on a Louis tangent, but like to have that argument with yourself and accurately portray the other guys. Um, the side of things is I think what makes him a genius.
2: Yeah, especially too because Dane, Dane could just be like, oh, so you do understand where I'm coming from, clearly. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> There's nothing else to really talk about then. <laughs> um, next we have him on the bonfire.
1: Okay, so this I included because I I wanted to um portray to all of you what Doug would do. Because, like I said he kind of lived in Bisbee through a time where it was very important to get on a lot of these podcasts and radio shows and promote your stuff when you had something going on. So what Doug would do, um, I'm specifically thinking of uh, one tour, I believe in 2015 where he went to New York to promote whatever he was doing and he would start on Jim and Sam or whatever, you know, Opie and Jim, whatever the morning show was at that time. And that's, you know, let's say he comes in at like 8, 8 o'clock in the morning. Let's pretend. It could have been 7. I'm not sure. Um, and, and he would start drinking. And then he would do these marathon podcasts where he would line up shows throughout the day. And he would do, uh, you know, Kumiya's show. And he would go on uh, Legion of Skanks. And he would go on The Bonfire. He would go on uh, Nick DiPaolo, which he has a very funny line about that I'll mention after this. Um but he would do all these shows and you would watch him at that time. Like if you lined up the podcasts and radio shows correctly, you would hear him get progressively more shit faced throughout the day. So like, we, you know, we've heard enough clips. We know what Doug st- sounds like sober. Obviously you can tell he's a little inebriated in this one. What he's trying to do is make a point. Um, this might actually be 2017. Cause it's right around the me too movement and everything. Um, So what he's trying to do Is present an argument That like Yeah everyone's had regrettable sex However uh, Yamanika Saunders is in Who's a a comedian From a younger generation than Doug And um, She's A a woman of color Who's a little overweight (laughs) And this is how Doug Presents the argument that he's trying To make to her (laughs)
0: Have you ever fucked <laughs> a guy that you know he regretted it the next day? <laughs> Interesting. No. All right. Then you're not aware. <laughs> no, you think it's never happened? Oh happens? my
3: god. Oh. Is he, is this what this is about? Me having some nigga in a stale suit try to roast me on this fucking show? Yeah. Is he kidding me? No, I'm trying you, to No, start you think a I don't understand, no, no, you, I about, understand that. No, I didn't understand that whack ass joke you just did Don't ever fucking try to play me like that. Every dude that fucks yeah. me wants to oh. fuck me. Now, what woman has fucked you and regretted it? Probably a million.
1: I couldn't hear you really. Um, just go back a little bit. Just because I wanted to point out, you hear Soda go, no, no, no. That's not what he, come on. <laughs> just trying to keep this thing on the rails. You can tell Soda does not want this confrontation. Jay doesn't want it at all. And they're like, oh, no, no. What you heard him just do, that's definitely not what he's doing. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you misunderstood, Yamanika. <laughs> but it's true, like, that wasn't what he was doing, but he's so shit-faced that he can't get it across. <laughs> right.
3: Is he? Is this what this is about? Me having some nigga in a stale suit try to roast me on this fucking show? No. Is he no. kidding me? No, I'm trying. You no, know, you think a I don't dialogue. understand that? No, no you, I, I didn't understand that whack ass joke you just, you got just got did. Just Black now. Black Lou hyped up. Don't ever fucking try to play me like that. Every dude that fucks me wants to fuck me. Now, what woman has fucked you and regretted it? Probably a million. Let's start with Bingo.
1: Becky good
0: timing. And that was her Absolutely. name, Paul. But you're, I'm you're, just telling you, I'm not
3: in the mood for this bullshit today. So if this is what he's on, I'll leave. I'm a respectable saying, hey, you comic fuck. also. No, I'm not putting put no jingle, jingle jangle. I, I came in here with some black shit when I came in here. He's hot up and hot and all this other dumb shit. I'm yeah. telling you, I don't give a fuck about a Dan Sto- a Doug or whatever the fuck his name is. I'm I telling think, you oh, right fuck now. Well, I thought we were all going to uh, mess charge you together. I'm Don't worry. Good, you should. But whatever you insults you're trying to pull out, you put it on these two because they're the hosts here. Don't put it on me. No, he I'm wasn't trying, trying to break the gap. I understand where the fuck you're going with that joke. Every okay. human being so alive. is there fucked... any man that ever regretted fucking me, then I'm not being honest with my... Get the fuck out of here, nigga. You don't know me like that.
2: God, she's a barrel of laughs.
1: <laughs> it's weird. I do get... She, like, just walked in. So, I do get why she's like, What the fuck is he trying to do? And he's a little defensive. But yeah, she takes it in a weird way where it's like, I mean, Doug's a co- first of all, a very well respected comic. It's weird to pretend you don't know him.
2: Yeah, but don't do that.
1: Um, it, it, it was a very weird interaction. But what I think is hilarious about it is like, if you listen to the full context, you understand what Doug's trying to do. And then right after that, you can tell he feels bad because he goes, uh, It was DePaolo had a serious show at the time and it came on right after the bonfire. And he goes, you know, the shame of this is I have to go do a real racist podcast after this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) But yeah, the the only reason I wanted to play it was it's not a, uh, you know, a seminal moment in Doug's career or anything. But I think it was funny that he would do these marathon shows where if you listen to all of them, you'd be like, Boy, I remember him making that point a lot more coherently six hours ago. <laughs> it's just very funny, but uh, she stinks uh she's all right. it's not, not not certainly not her best moment. I don't mind Yamanika, but yeah, that's not a great moment of hers. Uh,
2: next, we have unique podcast interview
1: oh, so th- now uh I wanted to mention more his podcast um because again, I think his podcast is very underrated Mm -hmm. because it's not in that same scene. Oh, I, you know, part of it is I don't think he puts the, um, you know, when I say effort, I kind of put this in quotes where the reason for a lot of the success of guys like Schultz and, uh, Santino and these guys is they know how to work the algorithm. They know what works on YouTube. We have to put in the, uh, captions we have to have for thumbnails, all that. Um, stand doesn't give a fuck about that, obviously. So that's part of the reason his podcast isn't as popular. Um, but I find it so interesting, like what he does in some of these episodes. For example, um, there's an episode where he describes, um, he got a letter from a fan who was going to kill themselves and he, the, the lengths that he goes to try and make sure this person is all right is a wild story. And there's a lot of things like that, you know, based on a lot of the stuff that Doug talks about, I think he attracts an audience that is definitely um, more open about certain mental illness and things. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, uh, Bingo also was um, uh, his his wife. Oh, I wanted to go back to this too before I forget. Um, Sex got brought up a couple of times. I think in that Louis scene, he says, I went soft in the last three pussies I've been in. Um, He talks on Stern about him and Bingo are essentially in like a platonic relationship. They've been together for 20 years. And Stern was like, well, how often do you have sex? He goes, virtually never. (laughs) And uh, so they have an interesting relationship. And she was in a coma for months. Forever, it seemed like. For a while. And he told, I probably should have included it, but he told a hilarious story of, uh, oh, well, no, I'm thinking of the uh, mother who we'll get to. So I won't spoil it. Um, but yeah, he said he wanted to, uh, with bingo, like take pictures of, um, him getting married to bingo's sister. And when she woke up, tell her that she's been in a coma for 25 years. <laughs> 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 so he covers a lot of dark shit like this is my overall point. Um, this is probably the darkest where he has an interesting uh, interview subject. So on this particular episode of the podcast, he has Shane Gillis on for the first half. Um, and this was right after, obviously, Shane got fired from Saturday Night Live. The episode is entitled, So You Wanted to Be on SNL. And that's why it took me a little while to find, because I was like, well, that can't be the right episode. Turns out, his second guest on this this episode also had dreams of being on Saturday Night Live and uh took a you know some would argue this guy is even more controversial than shane gillis relationship with your mother at that
0: time uh, i was a great relationship uh she had supported me through thick and thin through my divorce uh through some tough times in my life she uh supported me in my comedy uh she was one of the very first people to show up to my first show uh at the local club uh, and uh there were a lot of things that she did for me that I'll never be able to thank her for because uh, I ended up uh, murdering her. Uh, And that's not something that I take very lightly. Which obviously is a, that's as serious a break as you can have. Do you remember (laughs) what your thinking was at the time? I I, I don't because what happens is you kind of block out. Uh, What happened was the day of the event Uh, I was watching football And then the delusion started um, And I thought that uh, She was hurting other members of my family Um, And it got to be so real That I decided that uh, Something had to be done about it Um, And that's when I hurt my mother
1: So this guy This guy there's video of him Sitting in the front row Of Legion of Skank shows I was going to say He he was a genuine comedy fan (laughs) And then all of a sudden, one day he wasn't there anymore. And they're like, whatever happened to that guy? And they found out he murdered his mother.
2: And he's out. Fucking, he's out from insanity, I believe.
1: It's fucking crazy. And it's such an p- interesting podcast to listen to because you hear Doug there, like, you know, a guy from 60 Minutes talking to Charles Manson saying, Boy, that's a pretty serious break. But, <laughs> but, but it's fascinating because there's, you know, it's weird to say because it involves murder, but like there's no judgment really. Doug's just getting to the bottom of this guy's mental illness and he very matter-of-factly talks about it. And it is fascinating. And I think those are the type of characters um Doug takes an interest in. And the reason I think he's great at it is because there isn't judgment. You know, like obviously. I don't think he thinks it's a good thing that that man murdered his mother. Right. I don't think he thinks, puts that in the positive column. Yeah, well, maybe but, he does. <laughs> who knows? Maybe it does. But um, what's interesting about Doug and why I think he's um, such a brilliant guy is because he doesn't feel the, um, the, the impulse to have the reaction that we all feel like we have to have, where if you're talking to that guy, And he just casually says there, like, I murdered my mother. We'd have to go, my word, my God, we have to, you know, show how offended we are at that. Whereas Doug's like, all right, interesting. Let me, let me ask you about that. You know, I think that's such an interesting mentality to have with something like that.
2: Right. And uh, didn't he actually get pissed at the Legion of Skanks for a bit? The way they treated this guy? Was it someone or was it someone else?
1: Well, you know, I don't know that. That might honestly that whole story might be worth looking into for a bonus episode at some point. I, I, that think that,
2: I thought there was something that happened. Like the Legion of Skanks guys did something and it pissed him or somebody else off in regards to I that. I don't guy. know.
1: I'd have to look into it. But it's uh, the reason I brought up SNL is because that guy believed and he says to this day I have no idea if this is true or not. But I had I I believe I had an interaction with Colin Jost where he told me to come in and audition. And then uh, Basically he was having these like delusions That he was interacting with Lauren Michaels And all this crazy stuff And um, so he got arrested for sh- like Basically charging 30 Rock essentially Essentially,
2: Yeah that guy would be a good bonus episode
1: Yeah that's I, I, You know what shame on me for not even thinking of it But I'll, uh, I'll jot that down it's a good one
2: um, Next we have him on With Chrissy Mayer um, Talking about, talking about him. <laughs> Johnny Depp
1: Oh, well, this is, this is, I mentioned before, you mentioned Sal Vulcano. Mm-hmm. At least Sal's a comedian. Right. <laughs> right. Imagine, imagine there's just like three drunks on the couch one day at, at Stanhope's house ready for football, and they look up, and Johnny Depp is there, <laughs> which is apparently very possible.
2: <laughs> well, He'll also be drunk, so he'll be four drunks.
1: Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, you mentioned Johnny Depp before. I was Googling you. How did you guys become friends?
0: Uh, he uh, sent a, his agent sent an email saying uh, one of our clients wants to reach out to uh, it was, I don't know CAA or whoever it was one of those fucking Morris William Morris or some uh, is trying to reach out to Doug Stanhope. How would we go about this? And then. My manager contacted them. It's right before a show in in Canada. I was about to do. He's like, well, uh, uh, evidently Johnny Depp wants to talk to you. I'm like, I, it was almost like uh, it was right after a special had come out where I like have to do all new material that I've like really focused on, and I'm like, well, for what? He's like, well, that's all the information I have. And then it was nine days of a Canadian tour. Every day, I'm just staring at my phone, waiting <laughs> for it to ring, taking any kind of spam call. marketer <laughs> what? What telemarketer. Call? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fucking, no, not today, Meatwig. Sorry, my cat's going to be yowling in the background. Aww. Uh, so, yeah, then he called. He was just a fan and thought, maybe we should do a project or something. And, and we... Flew me to London, and then we just drank for our whole friendship.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know if the project... I've heard him mention this a couple times, that there was a project Johnny wanted to work with him on, and the end result of that was him drinking together. So I don't know if Johnny Depp just wanted a friend and liked Doug Stanhope's comedy. (laughs) I'd I'd like to drink with you. So, (laughs) So I don't know what the project would have been ultimately. I think those two in some sort of buddy comedy could have worked. Who knows?
2: That would have been great.
1: (laughs) But it's a wild relationship that led to Doug Stanhope getting sued by Amber Heard um, because he called, what was it? What was it exactly? He said she was, um, uh, was, did he he say she was extorting him or the lawsuit was frivolous or something like that? Um, But he made some accusations about Amber Heard. And uh, she, she, who was always of sound mind, felt them to be untrue uh, and sued Doug Stanhope. And then uh, I believe when things really started to ramp up with uh, her versus Johnny, the Stanhope stuff felt, you know, sort of uh, inconsequential, so that was dropped. But it's wild that Doug Stanhope, all the way from Bisbee, Arizona, got wrapped into, you know, the trial this last decade. <laughs> she. <laughs> crazy. She
2: dropped the uh, defamation suit Defamation, that's right That's what I was looking for And yeah. she claimed that uh, She filed defamation suit Because Stanhope in an article Said that she blackmailed Depp Which is exactly what fucking happened <laughs> Yes,
1: blackmailed Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, I knew there were some legal terms I couldn't get there Turns
2: out though. Doug just said Exactly what happened <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh, I think she would take a Shits in his bed <laughs> It's funny there was a time Where yeah. we'd all be like that's ridiculous Doug <laughs> Right. <laughs> but yeah Doug was uh, right at the center of that It's a very weird I mean I guess now that we know a little more About Johnny Depp from that trial It kind of makes perfect sense That he'd be hanging out with Doug Stanhope Oh a thousand percent but, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Johnny Depp, you're like, oh, that's pretty weird. I don't see them hanging together.
2: <laughs> no, I'm imagining
1: Doug having to sit there while Johnny decides which bracelets to put on, I know, on is, and scarves.
2: I think he's hanging out more with secret window, Johnny Depp.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, next, we have him doing uh, a bit, and it's uh, entitled Cowards.
1: Oh, so we're into, I think everything left is his stand-up pretty much, right?
2: Uh, yeah, except for the uh, shoehorning of Norm.
1: Yes well of course. Um but uh yeah I, I there's a main bit that I want to get to that I find the most interesting and the most um most probably the most personal bit I've ever heard anyone do in comedy. Definitely. Just because there's so many legal implications tied to it. <laughs> yeah. Yes there is. <laughs> uh, but for I just wanted to mix in a couple other uh of his uh stand up bits. That like I said I think is so underrated even though he has Hours of material out there Just search YouTube uh, on, Search on YouTube Doug Stanhope and a bunch of hours will I think at least seven That I saw um, Hours of material will uh, pop up But um, this is a funny Bit that he has on cowardice Coward is the most misused Word in this society It's like a big bailout Word
0: where you got nothing else to John Walsh, America's most wanted Right? Every week, let's call this 800 number right now and get this cowardly murderer off the streets once and for all. And you go, coward? Come on. There's there's words that would fit. Sociopath. Whack job. Dick? You just want to be simple? Dick? There you go. But coward, the guy's driving around with body parts in his car, for God's sakes. I get clammy palms just driving around with expired tags. Much less chunks of a little kid in my trunk. I'm not condoning the behavior. I'm just saying, it's a little nervy.
1: A little ice in the
0: veins for that project. (laughs)
1: So, I, honestly, I highly recommend uh, if Doug is in your town, go catch his stand-up uh, because I think he's constantly turning out new material. He constantly has new stuff. Um, and I saw him in uh, Key West, actually. I was just uh, on vacation there last year and um, saw him li- lined up with uh, his date there. He played just a 100-seat room, which is probably the best place type of place to see him. And, you know, he just, he drinks and just goes off for like an hour and a half. He does usually, I think particularly that night, um, he wasn't doing a late show. He was just doing the one show. So he's like, you know, listen, if, uh, if you ever want to get up and leave, feel free, but I'm going to be up here for a while. (laughs) And it's honestly just an awesome experience that he hands out. Um, I think the, I don't know how new this is that he's been doing, but he was doing it when I saw him, um, every hotel room. Uh, that he goes into that still has a Bible. He steals it. And then at his shows, he autographs them and sells them himself. (laughs) (laughs) He's making money off stolen Bibles, which for some, (laughs) I wanted to get one and I didn't for some reason. I think, I think it was like a hundred bucks and I was like, ah, that's too much. But in hindsight, I'm like, why didn't I just do it? Because it's a funny, it's a bizarre thing to have,
2: a <laughs> Doug Stanhope-signed Bible. Well, I was going to say, like, if, uh, you know, you ever got like, what's like the weirdest thing you have? That would have been your answer.
1: Yeah, I had Doug Stanhope-signed Bible. <laughs> <laughs> why
2: is that weird? <laughs> is that is that uncommon? <laughs> uh, but next we have uh, a bit on poverty.
1: Okay, yeah, this is that. So, like I said, he tackles... Um, basically every social issue, which is why I kind of wish he was more prevalent because we've talked, we've talked about this before. Like when we talked about Bill Hicks, we said, who's the guy of this generation? I mean, Doug standups a little older, so it's not like I'm talking about an up and coming guy here, but I think he's certainly that voice. And uh, you know, at times I wish it was a little louder. Now it's also weird for me to wish that when Doug is perfectly capable of just doing it and doesn't feel like it. You know, he'd rather have a quiet life in Bisbee, which is very respectable. Um, But, yeah, his takes on things honestly are, I feel like, uh, Carlin's the wrong example. The example I always want to go to is Carlin. Hicks is probably a better example because it's stuff you might not agree with and it might not hold up in 20 years. You know, the way people tweet out, like, Carlin clips now and are like, see, he knew. Hicks was different in the sense that, like, he might have been wrong about a lot of stuff. He was right about a lot of stuff as well. But there's stuff he's wrong about, but it was uniquely him. And I think that's exactly what Stanhope's voice is also. Definitely. The statistic is
0: uh, roughly one out of six Americans live below the poverty line, which, I know, that's you, my fan base, generally. (laughs) probably 4 out of 6 of my fan base below the poverty line. My friends in Bisbee, 5 out of 6 easily plus a fraction. <laughs> but it's not it's not poverty. It's uh, people down here work as little as possible, which is admirable. It's just enough to get by. That's below the poverty line, but it's just kind of broke is what it is. It's not poverty. It's insulting to impoverished countries to say one out of six people live in poverty. That's American standards of poverty where you, you, know, you still have a flip phone and you're embarrassed to break it out in front of chicks. That kind of <laughs> disgraceful poverty. You have, you have to watch Walking Dead on BitTorrent. Oh, my God. <laughs> the way I have to live. going to roll up the passenger side window with pliers because the handle fell off and your Dodge Neon. You don't have power windows? Wow, you're well below the
1: poverty. That's funny. Oh, shit, that was the end. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) I think it's so funny, and that's what I'm talking about, like the social commentary that he brings. Because particularly with comedians that gain a certain level of success, Um, like I just saw a clip uh, on Instagram where uh, it was very funny. Because uh, Chris DiStefano and Selvacano do a podcast together. And DiStefano was saying, he's like, you know, I'm actually trying to practice poverty now. And but what I mean by that is, like, do things that I have the money to, to not do. But, you know, like, I want to take the train and I want to fly coach and stuff like that. So I'm still, like, relatable. And he's talking about this on a podcast. And in the clip, you see in the background, Joe DeRosa emerges in that moment. And they play like the Undertaker music. <laughs> and he walks in and he goes, did I just hear you describing poverty as the way that I live every day? <laughs> 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 and it's It was a very funny clip, but it reminded me of that uh, bit. Because it is like... I think that's the type of perspective that Stanhope brings is like, there's no bullshit and the guy's a legend, but he's never lost that ability to, you know, relate to the common man because he's literally lived like a common man for many years. (laughs)
2: He's the best. Um, So
1: are we in the, uh,
2: yep. uh, The the doozy now they were at the doozy. We're at the the grand finale fireworks. This
1: is my, I, I can't even say it's like my favorite. I don't know if it makes me laugh the hardest, but I find it, like I said, to be the most personal. So we have a couple clips. It's a much longer 10 or 15 minute chunk. um, If you want to go find it on YouTube yourselves. Um, But this is a bit, he put this in his book uh, and then one of his specials, by the way, speaking of Doug's specials, it's another kind of uh, misfortune of his career, I guess, is that like, uh, I think, you know, it might be this particular special. I don't know if that lines up right time-wise, um, but he had a special come out around like 2017. And if you listen to podcasts back then, you would hear a lot of comedians promote things they were doing on CISO, which was NBC's answer to Hulu and Netflix at the time. Now, of course they have Peacock, which I think does much better, but no one was subscribing to this CISO. And if it wasn't for comedians promoting their projects on CISO, no one ever would have even heard of it. Uh, And it failed. And Doug put a special on there that was great. And luckily now he's uh, released it on YouTube, so you can go watch it. But it's like all these little things where it's like, ah, damn, if that was on Netflix instead of CISO, at that time it could have really popped them, you know?
2: Yeah, and i've I've never I've always liked Doug Stanhope, but he's never been like top of my my list. Oh, no, no, I think we've yeah, talked I about think this he's before. One of the ever,
1: and and then seeing him live kind of cemented that. Yeah, where I was like, that was a great experience.
2: I've never seen him live, but I think I've said that before. I just want to get ahead of it before people think I'm flip flopping.
1: Yeah, well, you're 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 one of his peers. You and your buddy, you know, stalk his home and drink with him. So I understand you not under <laughs> he getting was, the appeal. He was invited, and
2: he had to do stand-up <laughs> in the most awkward situation ever. I don't feel bad.
1: <laughs> I like that stand-up just says dance for me. <laughs> Makes will ex- do stand-up. <laughs> That's exactly what he called me. He
2: goes, dude, he made me do stand-up in front of him and like six <laughs> other people.
1: Amuse me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's hear uh, this bit about his Mother kind of coming to grips with uh, an illness she was dealing with.
0: My mother killed herself in 2008. Don't worry, this is a fun story. It was the best death you could ever be part of. She was dying of emphysema at 63. Her her brain was still with it, but her she was drowning in her own fluids. She's uh, being permanently waterboarded by 45 years of cool miles. She can't take it anymore. We knew it was going to happen when she made the call. I, I you can't do it. I'm like, alright, Ma. Uh, we'll do what we can. i like, All right, Ma's gonna kill herself. I don't know what to do. Like that's okay. We know it's gonna happen, but when you say we're gonna do it, I'm not gonna go buy you a fucking shotgun. (laughs) Like, oh, have fun, Ma. So I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't kill people. It's just, it's not something, like, I fantasize about it. If my mother were Nancy Grace, I'd have been all over it. Like, I have plans.
1: But my mother was a great person. So i like, how do we do this right? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> that's very funny. But uh, in the Marin interview that we played a little bit of earlier, uh, there was genuinely a time... Where, like, so Marin asked him about, he's like, uh, brought up something about his mother. And Marin asked him, like, a follow-up. And Doug goes, I can't really talk about it. I'll tell you after. So there legitimately was a time where Stanhope could not tell this story because he would have gone to prison. Right. <laughs> and so that's why I think it's so, like, legitimately, there are comedians where if this happened to them, they never would have talked about it publicly, whether it be on a stage or podcast or interview or anything. And I wouldn't blame them for that. It's an extremely personal thing to have to go through. So for him to not only tell the story, but make it hilarious, (laughs) I think uh, it perfectly speaks to who he is. Like the only guy or, you know, one of maybe the three only guys you'd be disappointed in. If you found out this happened to them and they didn't talk about it on stage, Doug Stanhope would be one of the very few guys that's the case where you're like, come on, Doug, you got to make that funny. Meanwhile,
2: everyone else you're like, why would you talk about that? <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. If uh, you know Brian Regan was talking about this, you'd be like, good Lord. Yeah, it was, this, is, a, this is a departure.
2: Would Stanhope be like, you kept that from us, you piece of shit? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, next,
0: All
1: right, let's hear a little more.
0: Yep. We watched Bad Santa, and she's trying to choke down these pills. She had a very hard time taking pills, so she's just gagging and just getting them down, so I'm keeping a vague count. When she got around 30, a little over, I'm like, Ma, that's good. You don't need to do any more. You're fine. And she says, I don't want to take any chances. She's so scared of fucking up. She took all 90 (laughs) (laughs) points. We're sitting there in horror going, you're wasting. Mom! <laughs>
2: they
0: said 30 of those would kill any human being alive. You could leave 60 of them for me and Bingo as our only inheritance, other than the last 17-year-old blind cat you have, Georgia. Yeah. We're gonna have 60 morphines to have spontaneous memorials for mother every here and again. Remember mom, Papa morphine. Woo! What a great lady! What a crazy old bitch! No, order till the end, all fucking nineties.
1: <laughs> it's very funny. He talks about how uh she didn't want to uh, interrupt football, so she did it on a Saturday instead of a Sunday. <laughs> Again, it's like the the darkest story ever if you look at it on the surface. Oh yeah, but he's able to make it hilarious to the point where. You're you're almost like rooting for her to die as you listen to this story. You're like, hey, good for her. Right.
2: <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those too that like if you saw this typed out, you'd be like, God, Doug's a monster.
1: <laughs> well, it's in his book. So yeah. I, I you know, I haven't read it, but uh maybe it doesn't make it funny. I've only I've only listened, so I get the, the full well, feel. But
2: mean meaning like if you if you saw typed out that uh his mother OD'd but she didn't leave him any of the pills, you're like, you right. asshole.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well there's a little more that might make you say that I think in, the, in the, uh, the closing bit here The afterlife is this
0: If there were no afterlife How could my mother Have bought me and my friends So many nice things From the SkyMall catalog <laughs> On her credit card Four days after she passed <laughs> from this earth. <laughs> Answer me that, your honor. Answer me that.
1: The <laughs> Sky Mall. It's pretty, pretty ballsy because uh, I know he waited till the statute of limitations was up, but it's definitely a lot of crimes he's admitting to here. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Um, I thought murder was uh, there's no statute on murder.
1: Well, so that wouldn't be murder if she's taking the pills, but I'm sure he's consulted many lawyers on this. Oh, it's probably like aiding and embedded or whatever the fuck. Well, my guess would also be that there's an element of he can tell this story, you know, on stage and it could fall under, you know, parody law or some some form of performance. Yeah, that's my assumption. I don't, I don't certainly don't know enough about the law to actually answer that, but it is a wild story. He says my favorite, much like the, this is what I was thinking of when I mentioned the, um, the bingo wedding pictures is that, uh, he said, you know, her last words were, um, she, she spilled something on herself, like a drink or whatever. And, uh, you know, they tried like telling her and she goes, there's time to be a lady and there's time to be a pig. (laughs) And. He she he said that you know her her um, uh, a fault of hers is that she, when she got a laugh she would really hammer it home, and he <laughs> said that she would go to like kind of you know double down on that joke. And he goes, "No, those are perfect last words, you bitch. Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> and then he's you know so later she kind of starts drifting away. The morphine is really uh, kicking in, and he says, "You know, who knows if this is true." Uh, but he claims that they would do things to fuck with her as she was drifting away, like yell, "Wait, ma! They found a cure." <laughs> <laughs> Which I think it's <laughs> just the idea of it is fucking hysterical. Yeah. I hope it happened, but even if it didn't,
2: it's also very mean. What if She was like, "Really?
1: <laughs> they found a cure?" <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think uh, you know. I, don't, I know he doesn't live up to Craig's standard. I know Craig's more of a Dane Cook, Chris D'elia guy, <laughs> but. I think he's a true genius. I think he's a legend. I think he's uh, one of the greats. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with him, um, you know, let me know. But if you are familiar with him, let me know if I did him justice. One last thing before we go, as Craig mentioned earlier, of course, uh, we haven't done this in a while. We got to shoehorn, shoehorn in Norm MacDonald when we can. And I thought this was a pretty funny story. This is, uh, he was talking to Artie Lang about this. I guess Doug and Norm didn't necessarily know each other that well. Uh, but this is Doug's portrayal of one interaction they had.
0: You know Norm? Sure, he's, yeah, sure. One of my best friends. Hey, Norm! <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> what are you talking about? Norm? What happened? Baited me yeah. on Twitter. He goes, I'm going to one day he's tell, tell you the story of how Doug Stanhope changed my comedy career. Really? For good, I hope. Never. Really. Never followed up. Like it's all like my Johnny Twitter followers gone. for like a year now, and you have no like, idea hey, what he was talking what, about. Uh, one day I'm going to tell this story. Right. He never told the fucking story. And <laughs> uh, do you know him? No, I love it. He he is on Stern. Right. What Charles Grodin was on uh, Letterman. Yeah, he's, he's just anytime really good. he's on. He's so fast too. Like hanging.
1: So good. <laughs> And this is when you can tell by the way they're talking. This is when Norm was still alive. <laughs> so it's even a more hilarious bit. Now the Norm croaked without ever telling Doug what the fuck he meant by that.
2: I would have sent me- yeah. if 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 I was Normie, like he knew you were going that weekend. Yeah. I would, I would send out messages like that about a ton of people. <laughs> Just be like... This person changed my life. Oh, really? And then die.
1: <laughs> well, it's, if I'm Doug, there's a certain point where I stop. Ca- and every day, I'm messaging him like, "What did you mean? <laughs>
2: Please, what tell did me. I do? <laughs> Please tell me. Tell me
1: I'm a good boy."
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was tough too because you could tell in that clip that Norm is like
1: his favorite. <laughs> oh, he. Lo- I mean, he certainly loves Norm. Yeah, That's but uh, yeah, I thought that was a hilarious story. But yeah. Um, Doug Stanhope comics, comic, you know, I think, uh, ladies like Craig, look at the hot boys. Like I said, Delia and, and Dane cook, and they get all hot and bothered by them. They're not even necessarily listening to the material. So I suggest everyone goes and listens, use your ears, not your eyeballs to consume Doug Stanhope, you know? I like Doug Stanhope. <laughs> I just said, he's never at like the top of my list. He was garbage. And I disagree. Um, <laughs> So go to blindmike.net for goodness sake. And uh, you guys let me know. Like I said, um, if you're a Stanhope fan, if you learned a lot, let me know. And uh, if you think there's stuff I missed, feel free to let me know that as well. Uh, Message me on Patreon or Twitter, whatever. Um, If you want to support the show for free, all the links are there at blindmike.net. You know, leave us reviews on Apple and Spotify. If people are still doing that, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, YouTube is growing every day So let's keep that going This is an episode you can probably watch the whole thing on YouTube, I hope So make sure you're subscribed And uh, tap the notification bell and all that And uh, tell a friend about the program If you have anyone um, Like that ad We uh, uh, ran the The ad, I think it's probably in front of this episode as well um, That show uh, Midnight Facts for Insomniacs That I was a guest on I don't know if that's out yet or not But uh, I like those guys a lot and, um, I guess the guy said he just sur- the main host Shane said he was just looking to get more into the history of comedy. So he just searched history of comedy and was like, oh, I guess this will do. <laughs> 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 so, so, you know, if there's anyone in your life that you think, uh, that might suit, tell them to just search history of comedy podcast and hopefully we come up. Um, and if you want to support the show, uh, financially, you know, get some bonus episodes, get these episodes a week early. Um it, you know, I think uh, like I said, the next one we're doing is Make America Innate again. So sometimes we get wacky like that on Patreon. So subscribe to that if you'd like. Join us. Please. Uh oh. Uh also verygoodshow.org, dot org, of course. Shut up. Um you know, if you're more of like I said, if you're more of a, you know, teenage girl like Craig, uh <laughs> You know, they, they, do, they do that sort of BuzzFeed type of comedy over on Very Good Show.
2: What a sales pitch. Do you like Dan Cook and Chris D'Elia? Go to verygoodshow.org.
1: I've been meaning to mention this uh, for a couple of weeks now. People really hate the outro. Do they? Oh, well, some like it a lot. Um, but here, here's how I look at it. Um, you know, it's a little treat for people who make it to the end. Um, and if you don't like it, every time you hear it, make sure you message me and let me know that you got to the end of the episode and let me know how much you hate it so that I know enough people are hearing the end of the episode because it's really a test to see how many of you got here. Yeah. And if I hear from enough of you and I say, all right, they're being good. They're good students. They listen to the entire history lesson. I'll give you a break. I'll get rid of the outro, but for now it stays in baby.
2: Yeah, no it's way that's way easier than when you go we'll talk to you next time on why are you laughing and then stopping it. That's right. way that's way easier to do that. Listen to it, get angry, then message Mike that yes, you hate it.
1: It's important <laughs> that you listen. You're not allowed to shut it off. So listen <laughs> to the whole thing and then message me, all right? <laughs> do that. Uh no, but I appreciate everyone listening. Like I said, go to verygoodshow.org, support Craig. Hey. Go to blindmike.net to support this program. And we will talk to you guys next time on why are you laughing.
0: Bye. <laughs>